0: This podcast was created on Messy. Create your own show today at Messy.fm. Today on the podcast, I'm going to give you an overview of the book, How People Change Study Guide by Paul Tripp and Tim Lane. I'm going to present you several ideas that will help you realize what real change looks like on a biblical level. And at the end of the show, I'm going to mention a resource that Tripp and Lane reference, which I used personally for 30 days. It was an experiment that was incredibly rewarding. And then I'm also going to give you another resource um, that you could use with a group of people in a collaborative environment to help you advance the framework of this book. So both next steps should really help you uncover your motives and, and give you a process to really help you think about what biblical change looks like. Uh, if you work in ministry, if you serve in ministry, I promise you that this book needs to be on the mantle of your bookshelf or you just need to have it in your heart. It is just incredibly rewarding and it's been powerful for me as I think about what it looks like to have conversations with people. Uh, it's really been a guide for me. So if you've been following along or you're new to the Culture Bus Tools podcast, my name is Chris Rivers. I'm glad you're here. I release a new episode on the first of every month. Uh, this is just an experiment for me. I love uh helping people. I love thinking through ideas. Um, I am the director of uh ministry projects at Grace Church in Greenville, South Carolina. And so this has just really been kind of a, a fun experiment for me to be able to do, to share ideas, to help people move, and to just be encouragement and a shade and a blessing for people. Um, These podcasts, they're um, published on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play. And if the podcast is helpful to you, please share this with others. And if you haven't rated or reviewed the show, I I would just be so encouraged if you could do that for me today. Okay, let's dive in and talk about what real change looks like on a biblical level. For the next 17 minutes, I'm going to try to focus on these two questions. This will be the narrow gate that we're working through, and hopefully it will guide our thinking when we are looking at this book that Tripp and Lane have masterfully put together. Um, the first one is this. Why do people do the things that they do? Uh, have you ever wondered this? I know I have. I mean, sometimes I'm puzzled by the things that I personally do, let alone the things other people do. Um, but I think this is, qu- this question is really important because it, it reveals our motives. And, and if we, and if we can learn to get to the heart of our why, we'll really discover what drives our decision making and, and begin to learn how to trust Christ in a way that maybe we haven't done before. Now, the second question that'll help us kind of narrow our focus here is how does real change ultimately take place? Um, I think this is important to understand because not only is change hard, but if we aren't careful, we can turn change into behavior modification, which isn't Christ-like at all. So if you, if you, if you are at all involved in ministry and you're helping people move through behavior modification, that's like you're putting idols in front of people. I mean, that's the best way for me to explain it. So, um, what does it look like to present Christ-like biblical change? That's really what Tripp and Lane present to us in this book. So uh, I'm going to kind of jump into this and, and talk about this clear and strategic way to process biblical change using their insights here. So in the book, they introduce four categories to help us think about our response to trials and temptations and the, and the change process that God desires for you and, and others. So these four categories, they're going to help us think through our response to trials and temptations and then the change process that God desires for you and others. OK, so the first category category that Tripp and Lane address is what's called heat. Now, this imagery that they use throughout the book with heat is the sun. So if you think about Ecclesiastes, if you've read that Old Testament book, um, oftentimes the uh, the Solomon, he references things as uh, under the sun. He will say, under the sun, uh, this is the things that I've learned under the sun. And so they've kind of taken that same idea. Um, when you think about heat, um, you you can think about it a person's situation. That's what they reference in this book. So. As they kind of go on to say that, that heat are situations, they're trials, they could be pressures in our life that, that just really kind of come at us. They could even be blessings, okay? You get a blessing in your life, that's heat. Like maybe you've been tempted in a way, maybe there's an enticement, there's a difficulty in your life, that is what would be called heat. You get a raise, that's considered heat. You get let go from your job, that's considered heat. You learn you're pregnant, uh, that's considered heat. Um, you learn you have cancer. That's considered heat. Sometimes your response to heat is good, and sometimes it's not good. Okay, so the big thing that that Tripp and Lane reference here is that circumstances they do not make us do what we do. We'll get to why they they mention that, but the but the first thing that we must realize is that situations just give us an opportunity to see what is in our heart. So heat comes, and there's a situation, uh, circumstance, and and we get to see what is truly in our. Heart and, and and they mention this in the book. They kind of go to Jeremiah. They talk a lot about Jeremiah in this. I think most of the framework is built around this. But God really has something to say to Jeremiah about the heart, and we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit about this. I know that as I was reading this book and I was studying the book of Jeremiah, I found it incredibly challenging because as I continue to read, I was reminded of my own brokenness and sin. I'm still reminded of that and how easy it is to forget who God is and what he has done for me which is really what was happening in the book of Jeremiah the people that Jeremiah was called to speak to they were they were in the same boat so in Jeremiah seventeen verses five through eight, God gives Jeremiah wisdom and direction in this area of heat for this first category. That's really what Trip and Lane kind of focus on. So so listen to what God says uh, to Jeremiah in verse five. He says, "This is what the Lord says: Cursed are those who are put who put their trust in mere humans, who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert, with no hope for the future. They will live in." the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. Now then in verse seven, God says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank, with roots that reach into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat, okay, or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. So in this passage, God gives Jeremiah a picture of two trees. One is filled with death and the other is filled with life. Uh, in Jeremiah's day, he interacted with people who were not embracing change in the way that God had intended. And, and if we have... If we're a crush, if we're following Christ, if we fully surrendered our life to him and we aren't careful, we too can drift into old patterns of sin and follow the lead that they had, right? So in, in the following verse, after after Jeremiah is, is hearing this from the Lord about these two trees, in verse nine, he, he speaks of these two trees and he says, uh, the Lord goes on to say that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? So the focus in verse 9 is on the heart, but here is the principle of the first category. Heat always reveals what is in your heart. Okay, this is the principle. Heat always reveals what's in your heart. And I'll be honest. I mean, as I've, as I've studied this book, as I've commun- as I've collaborated around this with other people, I found in my own study, in my own time um, of, of reading through even Jeremiah, that without even knowing it, sometimes I have narcissistic tendencies, and I try to seek the approval of others, or I find myself caring way more about what people think of me than I should. I mean, there have been times that I look out for my own interest instead of the interest of others. There have been times I, I don't want to serve those around me or or even serve at church. I wanna just I choose comfort instead of like moving. Um and and sometimes I don't even want to serve my family. And it's incredibly convicting. Um as I studied this and 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 I noticed that even the apostle Paul, he said this in Romans seven fifteen. He said, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead I do what I hate so like paul um I, you may experience this tension of wanting to do what's right and not following through i know i personally have in even in this moment i i see that and regardless of if if you're a christian or not this is a real issue that needs to be addressed because your heart is jacked up and wicked i mean my heart is jacked up and wicked that that's our heart right there that's what that's what God was telling to Jeremiah. Okay, so, so the first category that Tripp and Lane address is the heat. And the second category they introduce is thorns. So think of thorns as the stunted shrubs referenced in Jeremiah that I just read. As sinners, we really all tend in our hearts to respond in a variety of sinful ways to what's going on in our lives. Okay, so another way to think of thorns, thorns are the ungodly response to a situation. That's what Tripp and Lane reference here is that thorns are an ungodly response to a situation. So the problem that Tripp and Lane mentioned with thorns is that as Christians, when our focus is off and we're not and, and we are living in sin, we're clearly not honoring Christ and what we're doing. It leaves us ineffective and unfruitful when I mean, we're a thorny tree, like there's no fruit at all. We're just ineffective. We are unfruitful to those around us um, and even to him. And so we have to be careful here because if we don't do this right, if we don't, if we don't honor Christ like this uh, in, in, in a way that it gives him glory, then we aren't modeling what biblical change looks like. And, and number two, we aren't teaching and equipping people for effective change. Now, in Ephesians 4, um, Paul and Tripp, they talk a little bit about this, that the Apostle Paul, he actually catalogs some of these thorny responses. So, So listen as I read Ephesians 4, 17 through 22. "'With the Lord's authority, I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused.' Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. So farther on, The Apostle Paul, he goes on to give us examples of what these thornbush responses are. And in verse 25 of Ephesians 4, he says, stop lying. In verse 26, he says, don't let anger control you. In verse 28, he says, stop stealing. In verse 29, he says, don't use abusive language. In, In verse 30, he says, don't bring sorrow to God's spirit by the way you live. And then in verse 31, he says, get rid of rage. So as you can see in this letter to the Ephesian church, God is calling them and us to recognize these thorns that come out of heat. Okay, so the first category trip and lane talk about is heat. That's what we just talked about a minute ago. These are remember, these are the situations, they're the trials, their pressures, their blessings, uh, temptations, enticements, and even the difficulty in our lives. The second category, trip and lane, talk about thorns, these are the sinful response to heat. So we have heat comes, we, we choose sin, and then that is a thorn response. Now let's talk about category three, which trip and lane refer to as the cross. So th- Think of the cross as the presence of God. This is when God meets us in our sin and struggle with his heart transforming grace. Okay, When we agree with God about the gravity of our sin, that we bring nothing to the table, and we pursue the change in our lives and the lives of others, that is when real change begins. So sometimes that that the book, it, it references that there, if, I mean, for me personally, um, something that the book references that has been really helpful to me is to think of Jesus as my ultimate asset. Okay. So, for instance, if you're married to a mechanic, you don't worry about your car. This is something that Tripp and Lane talk about. You know, if you have issues with your vehicle, but you're married to a mechanic, you don't worry about stuff like that because your spouse, the mechanic, is going to fix it for you, right? Um, they also talk about the, the food idea of it with a chef. If you're married to a chef, you don't ever worry about what you're going to eat. So, so like, um, those individuals, they are, they are an asset to you. Jesus is your asset. Okay. We're the real liability. And that's really what the book kind of talks about there. Um, so for instance, when, when I'm afraid, this is how this is practical here. When I'm afraid and anxious about something, the heat comes. I, I, I see that. And then I try and, and move to the cross instead of the thorns. And I do that by choosing not to worry to pray to God, tell him what I need, and thank him for all that he has done. And then I experience his peace. And in that moment, I look to God as my ultimate asset. So you could think about this too on a biblical level. If if Christ is the head of the body, then you can follow His lead and you don't need to worry about anything. Okay. If Jesus is the Prince of Peace, which it says that in the scriptures, then we can take comfort in knowing that we can have peace through Christ no matter what we go through. So everything we could possibly need, physically or spiritually, has been provided for us by Christ. So so let's think about this through the lens of scripture again. Uh, Trip and Lane they reference Second. Peter, uh, which is an incredible passage that I feel like I need to memorize and read weekly. But this is what it says in verse three. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises, these are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. So that was 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4. So in that passage, Peter tells us that for every heat moment that is presented to us, we have everything we need. Okay, let's keep reading. So in 2 Peter, one five, it says, in view of all this, so in everything that you've just heard, make every effort to respond to God's promises. So as I read this, I see that, that my response to heat situations are paramount. Your response to heat situations are paramount. Now, I want you to keep discussing this passage of scripture because I, I also want to address the fourth category that Tripp and Lane mention here, which is fruit. So when you think of fruit, think of a fruit tree. I mean like I grew up in Orlando, Florida. My grandmother had orange trees and it was just like I'd go out there and get oranges. And so that's what I think about when I think about this this fruit tree. Um, but as Paul – as Tripp and Lane reference this, that when we respond to heat through the cross, we are effective and, we pro- and productive spiritually. So we're like a fruit tree. And that's what Peter states here, and then in Second Peter one eight further down, where I was just where I was just discussing and reading, he says the, the and this is powerful, guys. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the real fruit right there: is to know Christ and be known by Him. So we we experience heat, um, we we move through the cross, and and then we produce fruit, and and that's what's so powerful here. So he comes we look at the cross and our in our hearts they're transformed by God's grace and as we do this over and over again we begin to respond to the same difficulties in a brand new way so that's the framework okay so so let's review uh We'll start with category one. Everything starts with heat. These are the trials, the pressures, the temptations, the difficulties in our lives. Thorns are the next category. So as sinners, we all tend in our hearts to respond in a variety of sinful ways to what's going on in our lives. And then the cross, which is the third category, that is when God meets us in our sin and struggle with his heart transforming grace. And then fruit, the final category, is where where we want to land as a Christian, is when our hearts are transformed by grace. And we begin to respond to the same difficulties in a brand new way. So hopefully you see the power in that. Um, I've seen it um, in this book. It has just been incredibly rewarding for me. So I, I want to wrap up our time so you can make all this personal to you. A couple ideas here in application. First of all, I would simply encourage you to read this book, How People Change Study Guide by Paul Tripp and Tim Lane. Uh, consider reading and discussing with a small group of people. Um, in the book, Tripp and, and Lane, they reference David Powlerson's x-ray questions. Okay, David Powerson that's David Powell is P-O-W-L-I-S-O-N, Powellson's x-ray question. I actually took this and wrestled through it daily for a whole month. It was, a, it was an interesting experience. You could do a Google search and get access to those questions. I'd just get the book and work through the book. Um, but one thing I did personally after reading this to, to gain clarity around my own motives was to print out the x-ray list questions. I cut out each one, making them um, a single slip of paper and then, then I put each slip of paper into a jar. And for 30 days, I would just walk into the office, I would choose a different slip of paper, and I would try to answer each question as best I could. Doing this was gut-wrenching soul care at its finest. I will tell you that. So kudos to you if you do this. Um, if, if you choose to do this, I promise you that you will gain gl- greater clarity into the reasons why you do the things that you do. Um, the other thing I found helpful was working through scenarios. Uh, I had a chance to take, Uh, a church staff um, in North Carolina through some of this content and um, we created some scenarios broke out into small groups and we would work through them together and then come back and share our insights. So um, this was really rewarding in the show notes there's a link to a sample scenario that you could review uh, and use to practice thinking through the framework that Tripp and Lane present to us in their book. Uh, In that scenario I provide you with five questions that you can focus on that will help you dive. Diagnose where your heart could be in that heat situation. So, um, so there you have it. Um, if you, if you've enjoyed today, uh, you know, you want to, you want to email, you want me to email you some, some more scenarios to wrestle through. Uh, you want me to discuss a topic on the podcast, or maybe you just want me to come to your church or business and provide a collaborative training opportunity for your team. I would welcome that opportunity. Um, it would be fun. We, we would have a lot of fun. I know that's for sure. Shoot me an email, uh, at Chris Rivers at culturebus.cc. I'd love to help you take a next step in any of those categories. Um Hey, thanks for joining me today uh, on this podcast. I really love doing this. Um, I really try hard to do this once a month and provide something that is rewarding and rich and practical and encourages you and is a shade for you uh, as you lead yourself and you lead others. So um, I look forward to seeing you next month on the Culture Bus Tools podcast. I hope you have a great day.